Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. Well, first off, did you uh, did you get a chance to watch Clash of Champions or no? I did not. I was, uh, what was I doing? Sunday, Sunday? night. You so I got, guys no. were down coming back from, was Wilmington? Yeah, let me take a hit of this Ultra Duster, and then I'll tell you <laughs> how a brain-numbing experience that was. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I we ended up doing that, and I think when I got back, I think I just ended up watching a couple episodes of Psych. And uh, <laughs> uh, that's not a bad way to end the day. Um, but yeah, we so I, I I mean I have a I guess confession to make uh, where now I am uh, I mean. Mike Styles uh, and Spots still uh, withstanding, but I, I I am now an AJ Styles fan. Um, where there were between some of the stuff that they were showing as far as the uh, the prep material for his uh, match with with uh, Jinder Mahal um, and like the the match he did at Survivor Series was just amazing and over the top. Like that was one where it was a legit possibility that somebody like him could have beat Brock Lesnar in, in that type of match or whatever. Um, yeah. But then there were just a, a couple of moves uh, that he that he did in this match that were just insane. Um, and the fact that he uh, styles clashed one of the Singh brothers on the outside uh, was amazing. And it was just like uh, the guy just went, you know, full body right on the right on the, the concrete. Um, yeah. But he uh, he had a Mahal in a uh, in a calf the calf crusher, uh, and he was kind of getting close to the rope. Um, and there was some way that he rolled over him and turned him and did whatever. And through like 360 degrees of uh, human pretzeling, he ended up <laughs> in the middle of the ring with the hold still locked in, and Mahal nowhere to go. And so I mean, just looking at that, like. I wanted to stop and rewind it, uh, but we were watching it in the bedroom on the fire TV. Um, so just the fact that it was going and not buffering and we didn't have any issues. I didn't want to, you know, screw myself with, uh, <laughs> with the network app and all that stuff. Um, so I, I just let that go. Uh, but I was, that's one where when I have some time this week and when I'm sitting at the computer, I'll go and look at it. Cause that was, I just don't understand the sheer physics of how he was able to do that. Um, and there were a couple other, um, exchanges in there that were just absolutely insane. Um, so that's one where, uh, I, I guess I can get used to his mic skills if he's, uh, you know, living up to the name of the phenomenal one, uh, in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. AJ Styles is not known for, uh, for his, he, you don't become the best wrestler in the world because of your mic skills. Yeah. <laughs> You know, even, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, so I uh, I didn't get a chance to see any of that. Um, I'm glad you're on the AJ Styles train now. Um, we're all aboard a Hypeville. Um, the only thing left is that, God, I really wish they would take that belt off of Brock. I really wish. I mean, or eventually they have to. I mean, he, he never shows up. Um, I, I mean, it's. He's not on Raw, you know, ever. Um, yeah. He actually, you know, showed up and brought it to uh, to Survivor Series with the match with AJ. Um, but, you know, the other matches and, and other stuff that, that I saw, I mean, I think SummerSlam was uh, his match. I forget who was there, but it was essentially a joke. Um, and so it's, it's eventually, it's a tough spot because he's 
when he's there and he shows up and he sells, he's a great character and a great performer. But 90% of the time, it, it just shows that he's mailing it in or he just doesn't care. And when your champion is not on TV week in and week out, it just it doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah, like I um yeah, like and that's always been my big thing is that the champion doesn't need to defend every week. Um but there needs to be some hell, he doesn't even need to be on TV every single week. Um but every couple weeks your champion of your premier brand isn't on TV. You know, you barely wonder he barely has title defenses. You know, and something that's basically supposed to be very story oriented. It's really hard to build the story when you don't have one of the characters. Well, and that's where, yeah, it's just it's being there, showing up and just being seen. Um, and I was listening to, to some of said talks this week. Um, and that was one where uh, the 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 co-host for the WWE episodes was saying he's going back and watching a lot of the stuff from like 90 summer of 98, uh, which was, you know, the, the peak of the attitude era and which was a, a, or the beginning of the attitude era, I guess. And was just amazing. Um, but when you look at how fast things changed, like you needed to watch week to week because shit was changing so rapidly. Whereas right now um, you can, tune in and it's you can miss three months and it's the same exact thing so like they put the belt on aj you know what last month sometime um there was at clash of champions a uh a gender aj match for the belt aj won um spoilers uh and then uh (laughs) um just rewinding your brain um and then actually they're touring next week in Chicago. Um, and so we have tickets and we're going to be there, uh, at SmackDown next Tuesday, um, for, for that when they're here. So it's technically Rosemont, but they advertise the Chicago, but it's, you know, Mm. close enough. Um, but since they're going to be here and they're still advertising for ticket sales and all that stuff, they're, you know, putting the, the main event and, and some of the matches that are going to happen, you know, out there already ahead of anything that's already happened. And next week is another AJ gender rematch with Daniel Bryan as the guest referee. Oh. And so, I mean, again, how many of those are going to happen in a yep. six, eight, 10 week period? Whereas, you know, back in the Attitude Era, you had the Rock's character changing so rapidly. You had Triple H um, changing so rapidly, and you had all those guys where you needed to tune in. Where now it's just they're just hitting you over the head with the same story over and over and over again. Um, because I don't know if it's where they're just trying to eventually just get everybody at the same time and only have peak story arcs at um, uh at the, the pay-per-views. Um, but it's, it's definitely a different perspective than what they were doing, you know, back then, which when there was multiple brands on TV vying for weekly ad viewership and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I know it's a different time, but it's, it's just a different experience from a fan point of view, like what you were saying. Yeah. Like, and, and it's really hard to keep fault. Like it's where the fatigue definitely sets in is because the product doesn't change up enough on the day to day or on the week to week where it warrants watching it. Like, um, you know, cause my mom, I was talking to my mom earlier. She's like, Oh, did you see the pay-per-view? And I was like, no, like, you know, cause we, cause we all used to, you know, I've talked about episodes mm-hmm. before, but we all would watch wrestling and stuff. And, um, you know, oh, she's like, oh, did you see Ron? I'm like, I watched like 30 seconds of it. Saw them set up the obvious triple threat main event for the, well, for their title fight for the Royal Rumble, 
But I was like, I don't need to watch any more of this. Nothing's going to happen between now and the Rumble. Exactly. That's going to blow my mind. Like, stuff is going to happen at the Rumble that build up, and then you have your two pay-per-views, and then Mania. So, you know, it... Excuse me. It's like, it doesn't change up enough, and it's not, you know, as many as pipe bombs that I've, you know, punk pipe bombs that I've seen versus, or moments that are equivalent to that or even close versus, like, what I haven't, like, it's, ah, it's a tough, it's, it's tough to keep, to keep tuned in. Like, it, it can be. And, um, you know, what sucks is because, like, I love watching pro wrestling, but it's so commercialized now. I It's so commercialized now, I wouldn't be surprised if it was bought by Disney in the next, like, year and a half. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot there um, where the... You can see there. There's multiple angles with what they're going for, and so like when we were watching the pay per view on um, on Sunday night, we were in in bed uh, watching it, uh, and I wanted to get a shirt to to wear um, when we were going next week, so mm-hmm. just went on WWE shop um, and just looking to, looking at some of the stuff there. And I mean, obviously, watching week to week, you see all the advertisements and the things that they're going for, um, but uh, and I mean, growing up, it was always the same way. I mean, it was the um, the action figures and all of that stuff was always like some of the, the number one um, seller and stuff like that. And I mean, it's great now that they have the, the whole divas line and stuff like that for, for a lot of them. Um, but there's a, a ton there where it's, it's very, it's a hundred percent mass marketed. Um, whereas at the same time, you have a lot of the storylines that try to take it away from there, but because, you know they're never going to actually completely go off the rails, um, and then it kind of just comes back uh, eventually, and that that's where I think you get the kind of the the week to weakness that we've we've lost um, from the past. Yeah, I mean it. it co- yeah, I mean, <laughs> spoiler. Here's here's your here's the hot take. Um, it, it even shows it shows that the way that they've approached like that mass mass marketing is even shown in how they even put together like their sports games. Um, or their wrestling games like it shows it just it encapsulates everything of how they keep putting up like a sub subpar product but there's no comp- real competition so it's like you know i just i just did a i just did a shoulder shrug uh for the listening audience at home even though rick and i don't have video going right now either um <laughs> so for everyone's benefit so um, like it just, it just shows what they're, they're just trying to squeeze, squeeze. I think like the new WWE game has loot boxes in it. Like that's nuts. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it just shows everywhere. It just shows across to everything and everywhere in, in a lot of their products. And it's, it's tough. There needs to be a little bit more competition. Um, it'd make them spice them up. That's when that, that's why they took so many risks in the attitude era. And that's why it changed oh, so much was because there was a competition and there's not, I mean, McMahon's a fucking billionaire. So what does he care? Like, I mean, now they're, they're staying on top and I mean, they, they have everything where they know what they can, what they can do from what I generally call the, the shotgun blast as far as, you know, doing it enough, you're going to hit enough aces or whatever, but um, it's, it's something where you, a lot of the purists are, are 
just tuning in as far as to see what some of the big characters are doing or, you know, just checking to see like mm-hmm. who's some of the more technical wrestlers and stuff. But then, yeah, they're going to uh, Ring of Honor or New Japan or whatever for, I mean, for the, the week in and week out intricacies and, and stuff like that. And I mean, there's a, a ton of stuff and I don't watch New Japan um, very often, but we get it on one of the channels on like the extended cable that we have. Um mm. And so, I mean, the the big thing there with um, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega right now is like, yeah, you know, it's supposedly like getting like some of the best um, like heat and getting some of the best like over overage for for both of them, uh, you know, in in a long while. And people are saying like it's some of the best like promoted stuff in a while. Um, but I mean, I would definitely not expect that to, out of WWE right now because like it just doesn't fit into the mold of stuff um, that they're going for where it's like, don't rock the boat. We know what we're doing. Like it's more of a uh, longevity thing than a, a surprise factor or anything. Yep. Yep. And and it comes back down to um, it, it, there seems to be this idea that comes back down to the reason that it has to play it so safe is because I think it comes back to this idea that Vince is, tries desperately not to be just a wrestling guy. It's 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 seen in just the way he presents his product. Um, he has like bad words you can't say and that kind of stuff. Like if you ever notice, all the wrestlers are superstars, and all the you know all the female superstars were were divas, and you know not female wrestlers. You you know you 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 know it's just. You couldn't say wrestling. It was all sports entertainment, yeah, exactly. entertainment, entertainment to the point where they have a movie studio. Ah, he wants to be known as something else than a wrestling guy. But the issue is, is that he's a wrestling guy. You know, well, you, trying to be multimedia and just trying to expand out and not just be just a, a single thing where th- that's fine. It, it's again, it's stick to your stick to your wheelhouse, stick to what you know is good and kind of what you're what you're strengths are uh and go from there but um i mean do you want to do what you're doing exceptionally well uh, or do you want to do a lot of things not very well um and so it's just you know that trade-off there but um i mean for the foreseeable future i mean they have a couple of superstars that they need to invest in. And so it'll be interesting to see where some of this goes by mania. Um, and cause that, that'll kind of be like a, a full year of it being back into me, back into it for me. Um, since, uh, I kind of jumped back into the pay-per-view, uh, pace of it, uh, at WrestleMania last year. Um, and I've been watching more of the shows more consistently since then, um, just to see kind of where it's gone and like what some of the, the stars have gone. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see where, what, you know, if there's some turns for some of the guys or uh, where where just some of the action is going or if it's just more of the, the same old, same old, but just kind of like same storyline, just different players type thing. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's sort of like their, um, their uh, off season is right after Mania, uh, basically almost until SummerSlam. So you never see anything fancy. Uh, after Mania until until around SummerSlam, which is so, which you wouldn't even think because of when Mania actually takes place. Well, that's what on on said talks they were saying it was kind of the the inverse, um, where it was like after Survivor Series before Rumble, like they just don't give a shit. They're just coasting because, which makes sense because that's the holiday season, mm-hmm. so they don't need to do that much anywhere they're going for a live show. People are doing that for the holiday tickets. Um, you've got retail sales that are going to happen just due to the holiday anyway, um, and you've got plenty of people going. 
going on vacation doing family stuff so they know that viewership's always going to be odd like they're not going to be able to nail it um for a lot of it and then it's always like the closing uh or end of like the football season so depending on some of the games there people are going to for at least the raw impact to that people are going to want to be watching Monday Night Football for some of the stuff and things like that so um I I can definitely see that just based off of how they like Mm -hmm. they generally end up coasting at least through like early January before you get to to Mania or anything that's roughly going to impact uh Mania from the Rumble that's fair. That's fair. I can see it. Honestly, I can see it both ways. It, so that just means they're coasting all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what that comes down to. <laughs> so going from uh, from one uh, uh, malaise topic to, to one that's more hotly contested, uh, you ended up catching Last Jedi on Friday, correct? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Ugh. And so have you been able to get to see justice league yet or no no so i thought about doing so i thought about doing a double feature um but the theater i was at i just had such a piss poor experience yeah um didn't want to give any more money yeah pretty much i was heated um there's a big there's a there's like there's a couple like there's like a a couple big climaxes there towards the end of the film um uh you know and the so I got a I got a bucket of popcorn. Uh, it's a dining. I went to a dining theater, so I got a bucket of popcorn um, that took twenty minutes to get to me, and it was cold. And they, they were insistent, like you like you have to pay for this right now. And I'm like, okay, fine, pay for it. Should be the end of it. Can you tell me why they come up during the middle of the climax, scream in my ear? Here's your bill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I ended up missing. I ended up missing uh, a part of that. So I left the theater not knowing how to necessarily feel about the movie because there was like things I didn't see resolved. And it's like, so I missed like you know like forty five seconds of a movie to have some kid scream in my ear to get a dollar sixty two tip for a bucket of popcorn that he didn't even bring me. And that was fucking cold. Like, come on. Yeah. That's what we had. Uh, it was one of the, it was close to the end. And then, um, like there were nobody, it was surprised. Cause we, we had like balcony seats in for the, our, our theater. Um, but it was kind of the dining style, but just the, uh, recliners and everything. But you could see everybody in the theater and like nobody got up the entire time in the movie to, to go to the bathroom or anything like that. Even though I had to pee like, half an hour in and then eventually like at an hour and my body's like, well, I guess you're not going to go. So we'll just stop telling you, you have to go. So that was, that was nice. Um, but, uh, it was like eight minutes left and like a girl gets up and like walks by right in front of us. And like, I forget what it was, but it was like one of the big climax. And like three minutes later, like somebody else gets up and walks by right in front of us. So it's like, you're there that long. Like, I don't know if it was somebody in the theater or if, if it was somebody that was, you know, they were there working, then that's even shittier. But it was just like, Nobody moved the entire fucking movie, and then now, like in the the series of climaxes, that's when somebody's actually you know walking around and getting in front of everybody. So that was kind of annoying for us too. Yeah, so I had to deal with that, and then I got to hear some of the staff fight with another moviegoer. Oh, that's awesome! Because the staff kept fucking up doing everything they were supposed to do, which was premium, premium, premium stuff. So like, I've only been to this theater three times, um, and every time I go, it's the experience just becomes shittier and shittier. So I just don't think I'm going to go back to that theater, which sucks. So that means I'm going to have to drive. I'm going to drive all the way into another town to go to the theater. Go into where like, on the other side of Apex? No, because that theater 
I wasn't that theater was slightly better the one that we went to um but I'd rather just go into Carrie yeah so like I'm gonna have to go I'm gonna have to go into Carrie to go see movies now like when I live in between two theaters <laughs> yeah exactly that's I mean that was where we haven't gone I was trying to remember if Amanda had actually gone to this local theater that, that we went to based on um just timing of other ones because I ended up going to see Rogue One by myself and we had gone with some other friends who were here but I couldn't remember um if we had seen anything else there uh but it, it just for me it's just it's such an underwhelming experience every time we go there and um I mean, like this time was, was no different. And I, I mean, even though we paid for the VIP seats for Saturday morning, they're only six fifty. And it, it's funny, like going to this theater, it, it's in a, a little strip mall, but you know, obviously we're in the, the middle of Chicago. Um, so it's city parking and all of that stuff, but it's not actually a strip mall. So it's a, like a, they call it a collection. Um, <clears throat> and there's, there's underground parking and, and stuff like that. Uh, but like, usually, you know how like it's you, once they start rolling the, the footage, it's like, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Like those like uh, concessions videos and the Coke ads and all that bullshit. Um, instead of airing those in front of the screen, they have like a good like 90 seconds to three minutes of slides that go through to say like the company that operates the theater is not responsible for the price of parking at the theater. So that way they they want everybody to know how they're adjusting prices of tickets so that it can offset the cost of parking and stuff like that. Um, and so like when you're coming in and like that's your first experience that you're giving um, – moviegoers like in the theater it's just that's not going to be a good experience um so like that's the every time i go there that just still like irks me for for this one theater um and then like they have their recliners which are nice and they were even actually they had heated recliners too which was a plus um but uh uh, so, I mean, like I, we went Saturday morning PJs and, you know, I kicked my shoes off and climbed, curled up and all that stuff. And I was super comfy. Uh, but then just everything else, like the snack bowl, snack bar is horrible. Um, like they only have like really one set of bathrooms and it's like downstairs across and like right in the middle of everything. So it's just a, it, it's a mess to try to get to. Um, and so it's a, again just a, a poor experience outside of the film itself so just the the movie going experience leaves leaves a lot to be desired so um that's one where it's like yeah and anything and everything um you can do to kind of you know improve it on your own i.e sneaking in food is going to be a, a positive win for you yep yep there was uh there was a lot of that like i did i did um i was and i was actually having a decent time too because i i smuggled in my own box of raisin um but um, yeah, so I need to, I, after I talked with one of my mutual friends, Jason, I was having a, we've been chatting on Facebook and I, I like, I think I need to see the movie again so I can actually form, so I can actually decide whether or not if the movie's actually good. That's a hundred percent my opinion. Um, and so. Uh, and I mean, I'll post the, I'll post the link up when I post this episode, uh, and then I'll, I'll shoot it over to you so you can get it before it actually goes up. Um, but there's something that came out or somebody that wrote like a thesis on something and back in like 2014, um, that's called star Wars ring theory. Um, I don't know if you, it, it kind of got repopularized when episode seven came out and, and stuff like that. Um, 
but it, it's something where ring theory is a storytelling method. And I don't know if you covered it in any of your stuff, since obviously I'm telling this to somebody who has, you know, uh, MFA and everything. Um, but it ends up uh, dealing with a lot of circular storytelling and breaking things up into pieces and how the end, the beginning reflects the end and the middle kind of eventually doubles back on itself and everything. Mm-hmm. So th- this guy did a, a, a very extensive um, uh, essentially thesis on how Star Wars in and of itself for the first six episodes um, vast, vastly qualifies as ring theory storytelling. And how things in Phantom Menace end up reflecting in Jedi, um, obviously Attack of the Clones, Empire, uh, and then uh, Revenge of the Sith in, in A New Hope. Um, so there's there's a lot of things there. So I, I had read that um, up until or before the movie. Um, and then just uh, so I, I had a lot of these things in parallels and everything. So uh, that was fresh in my mind. Um, two weeks ago, I caught most of like three four five and six on tnt when they were airing a lot of the stuff so i had that fresh in my mind as far as different pieces here and there um and then i specifically after reading some of the stuff in the ring theory piece i wanted to go back and watch attack of the clones for for something specific um so i did that uh and so i had a lot of the stuff fresh in my mind so the um uh the entire time i'm in the movie my brain is I'm there, I'm present, I'm watching it, I'm consuming what's going on, but it's almost like I'm a video camera trying to constantly autofocus between two different things, like something that's in the foreground and the background. So I had everything from ring theory in my brain and I was trying to see how stuff would match up with, with this versus anything else that was there. Whereas, you know, this being the second movie in the, the next trilogy, um, how would this compare to empire? How would this compare to some of the other stuff? Or is there now like a Z axis to some of the, the ring or, and some of the stuff there. So like I had that stuff going through my entire head while I'm still also, trying to process like what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. And we'll just put spoilers here and I'll put a spoiler alert up. Cause I, I mean, it doesn't make sense to talk about it without doing spoiler stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, in the, the entire fight scene with, uh, between, um, Ray and Kylo and then the, and Snoke's guards and everything. Like I was thinking, like, I, I still remember cause it was still you know, visceral, even though like I, I wasn't thinking about ring theory stuff or, you know, uh, auto-focusing at this point uh, but it was like if ray actually turns to him and, and goes dark then i'm done like this is just i'm i'm you know they lost me uh because that was with the trailer and all the other marketing and all the other bullshit and the, the way that they were like crafting it that was what they wanted you to think um and I, like for me that would have been something that was completely defies all logic or whatever um or yeah. like or the way i saw it coming in was it, they were basically on a flip-flop or like kylo would go good and and ray would go bad um thankfully that didn't happen um there's obviously a lot of other stuff that, that people have have issues with here and there um earlier today i was watching some of uh, kevin smith's uh review of it I, that's one of my favorite things for all of the geek movies um whenever they come out that uh he always does like a super long review of the stuff sometimes as like as long as the movie itself, um, if not longer. Um, but, uh, that's, that's one that I, I'm about halfway through it. I, I want to finish that. But the, the, the reason I asked if you saw justice league and I'll let you actually participate here in a second, um, was <laughs> that when I left justice league, I felt like there was no feeling whatsoever. Like it was just, it was, I walked out of a movie and the experience was a vacuum like I didn't feel like anything happened. Um, whereas at least with everything that was in the last Jedi, I went in and I felt like I had 
emotional attachment to, to some of the stuff that's there. Obviously, you know, same actors, same characters versus different actors, same characters for, um, for justice league. But there was, I had a lot more visual attachment to a lot of the stuff. I could see where they were going with things. I could see them expanding on new characters. Um, and, and I had an interest in it and it felt like an experience as opposed to it just feeling like a void when I was leaving justice league. So that's, that's kind of the, the, the way I compare both of them. So I haven't done any research to like look at numbers or look at like exit numbers or critics reviews or anything like that. Uh, but it just, it's, it's an interesting because those are, you know, two huge tentpole releases um, and just seeing the different experiences and a lot of the um, kind of visceral, visceral reactions that a lot of people are having. Yeah. So I think there are some things I so I'll just say this. I really liked. I liked a lot of the director's work beforehand. Um, and see, Rick I is, really didn't watch anything about. I, I know nothing about Ryan Johnson prior to this. So um, he's he directed one of my uh, a movie that I really enjoy, which is uh, Brick, uh, which is a neo noir that stores a young Joseph Gordon Lovett. It's set in high school, um, and it's very good. It's very creative. Um, I don't. You know, so I'm. Oh, fuck off! I, uh, I'm, I really like. So I really enjoy that movie. I saw he was directing this, so I knew I was gonna get. We were gonna get something different. Um, but I just there was a lot of things that were very confusing for me. Um, first of all, um, there was so the whole movie is supposed to basically be about failure. Um, and there's an issue, there's a fundamental issue in watching basically a space opera, um, or a space Western, um, where you can't have failure all the time. You can have one side fail in the other side triumph, uh, like they did in empire where the empire was actually successful in doing all the shit they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So when you would go into Last Jedi, um, there was a reason for the feeling of defeat. There was a reason for you to want to hope that things things got better. When you would and, go into Return of the Jedi, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Return. Sorry. It's it's been a long it's been a long day already. Yeah, just clarify. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and Return of Jedi. See, they do that. They're gonna, I'm going to sound like an old man for the rest of my life. The Jedi movie. Yeah, the Jedi. Yeah, you just, you gotta, you, there's so many of the Jedi movies now. They're all mixed up. But, um, yeah, so when you would go into Return of the Jedi, there was a reason for there to be hope. Um, and you wanted to see, there was a reason to see the story progression. It was a much more standardized version of um, it made it was simpler storytelling that didn't jump over itself, but it still allowed the the good guys, the Republic and the Jedis and an empire, you know, to experience failure. Um, however, the difference in the last Jedi uh, is failures all over the place on both sides and everybody's just incompetent. Um, you don't, if, if there's supposed to be a tonal, like an underlying idea of tone of these are just kind of sort of like, it felt, 
with the level of incompetence, it just felt like kids trying to be adults. If that makes any sense. Well, I, that's um, when you were saying failure everywhere. That's one that I was I was going to basically say that. Um, that's I I didn't feel that through through the entire movie, but that's how I would take it, or that's how I would try to rationalize some of that. Um, where you're like through the entire original saga, you have Vader um, as essentially the the big bad for most of it i mean obviously uh emperor notwithstanding and stuff like that um but most of the the one that's hands-on interacting with everybody is is vader um who has accomplished something but then in this one you basically have kylo ren as the big bad and who's interacting with everybody blah 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 but obviously like everything that we learned about him in episode seven he's impetuous he's brash he's you know uh, arrogant and all of that stuff. And so you have a completely different tonal experience between somebody who is as powerful, self-confident and, uh, you know, deserving of respect, fear, et cetera, as Vader is versus somebody like Kylo, who's basically just trying to play like the me too whiny attitude type stuff. Um, and so, I, I mean, I can definitely see that, uh, as a, both a, a negative and a narrative tool at the same time. Yeah. Like it's, <clears throat> they're just all incompetent and it felt like you have people, it felt like you have these people fighting on both sides who are fighting a war that they don't understand why they're fighting. Um, and the issue is, is that if that's what you're going for, you could do that in a way that doesn't feel like it's, you pulled back some of the risk. Um, the, I have no qualms, with seeing good guys fail, right? Um, and because it's just a story, it's a story beat. Like, and it harks back to what the material is based off of. It's serials. And, you know, it doesn't make any sense to have the First Order be as incompetent as they were. Um, you know, because they were, they were pretty incompetent. You can't tell me somebody like Snoke. Um, I understand hubris is a Sith trait, but you can't tell me that it's like I have a hard time believing his amount of hubris is what did him in. And the fact that like he just doesn't under like he's not that powerful of a use for like a force user because he was so wrapped up in his hubris like that. But at the same time, I mean, the entirety of, um, and I mean, that's, they call it out that, um, Kylo is, is not a dark Lord yet. So hence he doesn't have the, the dark Lord of the Sith title or anything like that. Um, or the Darth title. Um, but I mean, that's, that's something where the majority, uh, or all of the, the kind of the Sith lineage goes where, um, for ascension from, you know, a Sith, uh, uh, leadership, they end up, they, there's only two because there's a master and an apprentice. And then for the apprentice to become a master, they have to kill their existing master and then they take on a new apprentice. So for me, I, I, I like that because uh, you could tell that they were going to have a lot of people upset with how they were quote unquote shitting on a lot of stuff that was in force awakens or just, you know, core canon and things like that. But to me, that made a lot of sense because that, that is uh, for, uh, 
the entirety of expanded universe and anything that you you're ever interacting with with Sith Lords. Um, that is the way that you know the the progression uh, uh, or you know how you're leveling up in the, the the Sith world is you end up having to kill your master, and so obviously that has to happen some way. Um, and so the it kind of it, it felt fitting for me as the way they handled it there. Yeah, like and and like I get that. Like I don't have an issue. So let me be clear. I don't have an issue with um like i don't have an issue with the fact that uh we did say spoilers right yeah yeah i mean obviously spoilers you know everybody dies blah 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 there's four people left etc etc so yeah spoilers you're fucked if you didn't pay attention (laughs) um i don't have an issue with kylo killing snoke um because like that's that's the sith way um if you played like i mean it's i mean even it's all over eu all over the eu so um i have no issue with that i just i i kind of have a very hard time believing that even within all of his hubris that kylo ren was still able to block off a part of his mind like with 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 that Snoke wasn't and it's it's very tough for me because it's proven it, like he literally just proved that he was like super fucking strong force user and was able to manipulate both of their minds. But for some reason Kylo Kylo Ren's able to section off this teeny itty little bit of his mind with his true intentions to kill his master. But at the same like, time though, the situation they're in in that instant um is he's gloating where he's he's you know it it's always the the villain grandstanding or the bond villain giving you know bond an out um whereas he's he's sitting there gloating to say that's how he got them together like how stupid were both of you to think that it wasn't me that was doing this for you like you're not special the force isn't doing it on its own like i did this um and so like he's he's showing kylo that how how you know powerful he is to what he can do um and how much he still has left to learn and he's still focusing on ray and everything that he wants to to do torture whatever you know try to turn her things like that um so i, I think it it's it, it exactly is that it is a sense of hubris um where he's gloating and it's just he's blind to the fact that something else could be going on because he thinks he's so powerful type thing yeah like i just it didn't feel okay. So I know they're doing new things with Star Wars. And what I say is, it didn't feel quite like a Star Wars movie to have the villain die because of their own failure, like because of because of that act of hubris. Mm-hmm. Like it just didn't it just didn't feel quite quite right because like. So I know I keep referencing what the original ideas of Star Wars were supposed to be based off of, but well, no, I mean that's what you have um, to keep going back to because that's what it, it all comes back to to tropes of somewhere. So I mean, it right it distills down into something. Like you can have the sense of failure, um, you know. Like I thought the plot with uh, Finn and Rose, um, that's a very good way to and Poe. That's a very good way to. Um, uh, you know, very good way to capture failure. Um, however, I felt bad for that plot, and I felt bad for, I, I felt bad for the actress who played played Rose. Um, because I I don't think she's in episode seven, and 
I felt really bad for her because, you know, it's you're in this huge fucking movie and your story's prominent, but because of the way that the structure and pacing was in the movie, like you kind of get robbed of this moment. I completely hated that part of the movie being in there at all. It seemed like if there ends up being a episode eight director's cut and we have like an extra hour of something that is related to that section of the movie, I would not be surprised um, because for me that that entire section there just felt completely shoved in or edited to crap um, because it, it felt completely unnecessary for what they needed to do in that instance. Like it, it felt like an add on where we're like, we needed to flesh out time um, because otherwise it's like, why do, why are we going to go run to this, extra ridiculous planet, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, there, that was just one of the problems I had. Um, but it, I, again, I, I agree that it, it, it felt bad because it, it she, she seemed shoved in there when it could have been a, a handled better. Yeah. And I don't have, I don't look, I don't have an, I don't have an issue with, you know, another minority character, of, you know, like I don't like, it's not, you know, I want to make that clear and, you know, it's, I don't, it's, not because I just felt the character could have been used better. I mean, even I, I was telling I was telling somebody about it. I go or speaking with Jason in our, in our conversation that I told I told him I go it would make more sense for the person who took over for Leia to basically like approve this mission, but like if you get caught, you get caught. Don't bring it back on us because realistically, it's a, a fucking tech in Finn. He hasn't provided any decent intel for you guys. I mean, he's provided like a little, but he hasn't provided a lot. So realistically, you just go, what's but, you know, just and cut your losses if they get caught, which would have seemed like the thing, the smart thing to do, because she still could have continued her plan, which she did before. So I don't understand why. But that's the thing. Like when I talk about the shit that goes back to the serial those ideas of that serial, that's what somebody in that position in the serial in a serial would do is they would go, you guys can go be fucking Lone Rangers, but if it blows back on you, you're out on your own. Mm -hmm. And it's perfectly, perfectly fine. And then, and then all of a sudden you magically do that. And those sections make sense and have actual weight. Well, that was one of my problems with, with kind of the, the heart of act two, um, but I was able to resolve it inside myself by doing some of that autofocusing um, where it felt like they were, they were jumping around back and forth, back and forth the entire time. Um, mm -hmm. Like it didn't seem like anything that happened in the middle of act two with regard to um, the, the, the rebellion fleet. I don't want to call it the rebel fleet since that's the, the original trilogy, um, but the, the rebellion fleet and, and everybody there, um, it seemed like they were hopping between tactics or plot points or everything way too fast. Like they gave nothing gravity in that situation. Um, so the whole code breaker thing, uh, the whole staging a coup and then eventually yep. um, uh, them getting taken back over. Uh, and yep. it just seemed like we'll do this. No, let's try this. Well, let's do this. No, let's do this. So like that annoyed me in the moment. Um, and I was like, well, why the fuck are we jumping all over the place? Like we have a lot of like key plot here that we could do where like they could flesh this out in a much less hectic fashion fashion um but when 
like you take the step back and do the do some of that auto focusing. Um, and I was looking at it, and that's when some of the like the ring theory angel was sitting on my shoulder and, and everything. Where um, when you're looking at this, it's basically the the point. The whole movie in and of itself, in in one way, shape, or another, is it's a chase movie. Um, and so when you start doing that, um, and obviously people have made comments about whether that's you know good or bad as a as a plot device or whatever. Um, uh, but it's essentially you know David running away from Goliath in this instance. Um, and and when you are running away, uh, it's not something where you're like just because you decide to do something once, it, you're gonna follow it all the way through. Um, and so it like it took me a lot of rationalization to be okay with how chaotic the plot was in the middle of Act Two. Um, but it was it was something where eventually I was able to rationalize it inside myself because you look at the type of movie that it is, the type of situation based on the setup of the initial crawl, how some of the, you know, it wasn't uh, all uh, uh, rainbows and butterflies like you would expect coming into it from mm-hmm. episode seven um, and then going from there. Right, which is fine. But the fact that you have to rationalize. OK, exactly. So the fact that you have to rationalize, there might be an issue with the structure of the movie. Like, you shouldn't have to, you know, Rainbow and Butterflies, you know, you don't have to go that way. Uh, you know, like, that's fine. I don't have, like, there there are simple things you could do to tie the story together that still keeps that sense, that sense of urgency. Is because it's like, I shouldn't be watching a plot that fucking matters more than whether or not Ray can get Luke to be a Jedi or get, you know what I mean? Like, like I shouldn't be sitting there and going... Because I do, I love Finn, right? Like I think I think Finn's a really fun character, um, and a really interesting character, especially for that universe. And uh, yeah, he, I mean, it's something we've never seen before. Like prior, like we we still have not seen another stormtrooper with their mask off. Like I mean, like as far as like prior to the, to the clone troopers. So like in the entirety of the original trilogy, you you've never seen a, a stormtrooper with their mask off. So I mean, for him to do that and, and where he's coming from and like what they can do with the character is, is pretty uh, wide open. Yeah. So, you know, it just, I shouldn't be seeing a character that's really enjoyable and played by a really good fucking actor and just be like, eh, I don't care what's happening here. Show me more of the old guy. Like drinking titty milk out of a, out of a beast thing. Like, like I just, I just, I, 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 and speaking of that, that scene was fucking unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen a Star Like, I made it like there was a part of me that was just like, I made it like it was like I cringed and was like, it wasn't like, a oh, that's gross. Kid. I'm like, that wasn't necessary. Like, that was embarrassing. Like, it was like, it was like embarrassing to see that and be like, oh, man. Like, whoa, that 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 made the cut. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure the reasoning for that one, but that was I was of the, the same mind for that one. Um, and you know, so there were parts of that where I felt like it could have been structured better. I still think that, you know, obviously the heart harks back to the serial, the serials, you know, you can have your a plot and B plot. That's standard. That's fine. You just have to give the B plot actual meaning and yeah, actual robbing toss. Yep. Because if you had set up, could you imagine this? Can you imagine the entire difference? of that um that scene where um if she gives them that 
um, she gives them that mission and tells them on their own and then tells them what that mission's actually supposed to be with th- what happens if they fail. Like, could you imagine the actual just growth of watching that movie and you watch them fuck up and fuck up and realize that this lady is basically getting, going to evacuate the ship and basically send herself to ex- explodey light speedville? Like, throughout that, could you, can you imagine the build for that? Yeah, and the, that's uh, the... the sense it, I was going to say, that's. I think that's where they miss because as soon as, like, they had everybody there and she was the last one on the ship, like, I knew what she was going to do, but it was it was something where, like, you end up, the way they wrote a lot of the characters and a lot of the action, um, similar to, like, I didn't want them to have Rey go, go dark when, like, everything, like, all plot was pointing in that direction type stuff. Um, but with, with Laura Dern's character, and I, I forget the Admiral's uh, name or Vice Admiral's name at that point. Um, but like, again, you, the way they set it up with Poe being, um, the kind of the voice of reason and and doing the thing that everybody wants to do. And Laura Dern's character being the one who's legitimately just kind of letting people die. Like it, it, it wasn't as, powerful of a hero turn or hero journey turn for me as it could have been because they, they, again, they didn't have any gravitas where like, there was no wink, wink, uh, you know, we know what we're doing here as opposed to just letting everything burn to the ground type thing. Yeah. And you know, I, I never would understand a leader. Like if you looked at the, if I would never understand a leader, especially in that kind of situation who wouldn't be like two people versus this billion dollar space cruiser. I, you know, I, I guess two people are kicking the, you know, like it's, it's not, it, it made no sense for her to not appease Poe in that moment. Mm-hmm. And you know, because she still could have done what she did and she could have had like, she could have had legit fucking real good moments for that character. So when she fucking sacrifices herself, it act you act, it actually means something. There's a, a shit ton more gravitas there than just them doing that in with silence. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's, I mean, it ends up, you know, it, that could still happen. Um, but they can just be, you know, it, they're compromised in the same way, you know, for their plan and everything. And it's just fine. It's, I just, that's what it feels like is it felt there was like, there was too much, there was too much kind of cutesy shit in there and there wasn't enough paying like actual attention to paid to the, to the story. And you have to sit down and. You ha- and you, if you go in, and to be fair, maybe it's like everybody goes in with really high expectations, not knowing what to expect because it's a Star Wars movie. Um, and the fact that you have those expectations that are tempered uh, because of how things are set up and and pacing and storytelling and and that it just and when those expectations aren't met, then it you know it can be a bit disappointing. And I'm not. I'm not a like that's why I said I need to watch it again because I need to go in not seeing if there's any um 
expectations and in the defense of the movie, you know, the viewing said the, the viewing wasn't great. So, you know, but like I left the theater, like I left the theater and was just kind of like, you know, I didn't know if the movie I saw was good or not. Well, for me, that's like, why it was completely different than Justice League, where Justice League, I was just like, meh. But then that one with Last Jedi, it was one where obviously with all the shit that happened, like you could tell people were going to have reactions to it. And that was one where yeah. like walking out of it, it was something where I knew right away. It was like, this is something I'm going to have to see again before I can form any sort of an opinion yep. on. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, I, I do want to see it again. Um, and, oh, that little girl's loading a gun. Um don't want to know what you're doing while we record Facebook. <laughs> um, a little, little Facebook video came up. That was weird. So, um, like, I just, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It's like probably another, probably another viewing. Um, but what I can tell from my first viewing is that the story could probably be structured a little better. Um, the pacing felt, I have, I like, I have never seen so many folks talk about pacing in a movie for a blockbuster movie in years. Like where they legit just go the pacing in this movie, it feels all off. And I have never, I've never seen that. Like so many people talk about that because that's one of those things where pacing, a lot of folks don't notice pacing. Mm hmm. Um, and a lot of the movies, especially with, you know, a lot of a lot, especially a lot of Disney produced movies. Because Disney has that down deal formula. Where, um, you know. They're not they're more systematic in their approach to the pacing, um, but you maybe it's, you know, maybe they're loosening up because I watched Guardians of the Galaxy a couple weeks ago to uh, part two volume two. Yep. I think I mentioned that before. But the pacing in that was all over the place, too. Yeah, that was another one where I we saw that down in Atlanta the weekend it came out. Um, and that one was another one where it was like, going through it, I was like, there feels like a lot of chaff here, yet at the same time, there feels like a lot of stuff they moved over too quickly. Um, and so that, that one felt like I was in a uh, carnival ride being operated by somebody who was their first week on the job. Like that one, I, I was like, I still love the movie. And like, it was for me, it was almost, I would put probably one and two side by side. Um, and having seen a lot of, or known a lot about what was going on or, or seen a lot of previews from the past two years at Comic-Con. Um, and so like, I, I knew a lot that was going to happen with it. Um, uh, but that one still felt like pacing was a little herky jerky for that one too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I guess, I guess that's how we can, um, that's the, that's the, you know, the, the perfect way to describe the last Jedi, at least on this first viewing is it's kind of just herky jerky. And, um, there's a lot of big explosive shit that happens. Uh, you, you know, you need to pay attention to the stuff when it does happen. Um, but there's a lot of interesting pacing choices in, in between. And so, I mean, that yeah. goes to speak to pacing when, like, when, like you said, when I'm able to rationalize in the movie in and of itself, um, that I, I have the time to sit there. I don't need to pause it. I can do it while there's nothing happening on the screen type thing. Yeah. And I think my big thing with the movie is I don't mind the ideas of failure, I like to see the failures happen because of competence. 
Right. Basically, um, failure by success as far as failure by incompetence. So yeah. Like somebody's losing because somebody else is winning, not somebody's losing just because they're falling on their face. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that's what made Empire. I mean, fuck, dude. If you think about, like, that scene in Empire, right, where Lando flips on uh, on Han. Right? That's competence. That's failure by someone being else being competent. That's, you know, fucking Vader is able to, you know, fucking blackmail, extort, you know, whatever, um, entrap Lando in what he needs to and uh, to, to get what he wants. Like, that's a success um, with the with the Codebreaker character. Who is that? It's Del Toro? Yeah, Benicio del Toro. Which to yeah. me again that was uh I mean, it felt like a, a completely sideways plot or completely unnecessary where they could have gotten to from point A to point B in a lot of those plot points with a lot less confusion and a lot less back and forth. But I guess they figured that the exposition that that character provided for saying there's no good guys, no bad guys, everybody's just paying each other to kill everybody, um, was worth the the time on the screen, but it seemed like a little muddied for me. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, even with his thing, I mean, could you imagine the difference in that character, how you would actually feel about him if he was just successfully coerced on screen to be like, they fucking go, hey, in front of the other two, could you imagine that, that betrayal? Mm -hmm. Like, that's that has so much more weight to it. If they just go, if he just goes, yeah, you know what? You guys are right. Give me cool stuff. And they're like, no. And then he's like, I like cool stuff. Exactly. Instead of just like, each war is a war, kid. I don't know. Like, um, you know, there's just so many things where I don't know if it's because of. <sighs> because of what gets what got caught on left on the editing room floor or any of that. But it just. I wanted to see, you know, choices that made sense and actions that made sense. It's okay to have your characters fail. You do it all the time. It's because of you have them fail. Don't have them fail nonstop because of incompetence. And on both sides, you don't feel like one side clearly has the upper hand. And that's the big issue is that neither side, you leave episode eight feeling... Like, nothing has happened. Just everybody, nothing feels like one side's for worse or whatever. It just feels like, well, here we go again. It's the same same thing. Nothing's changed. And the, the biggest thing here is, again, it. I, I think where um, when reading the, the Ring Theory piece, they end up having um, a lot of talk about how the start and finish of each film in and of itself and, and things like that. Um, and so there's a lot there where they, they look at... Ev- ev- kind of correlating events that happened at what time in, in which movies. Um, and that's what I didn't realize how quick um, or how, how short uh, attack of the clones was being only 90 minutes long. Um, whereas all the rest of them are, you know, pushing two hours or, or around there. Um, and, and so when you're, you're looking at that and seeing how things are there and I, I forget if it was, um, yeah, I want to say where they were basically saying that, um, it was Empire ran long 
So it's either Empire ran long, and like so, there's some of that move to return or vice versa. So it was like it, it was a little short, and then so it's like the end of it is actually pushed out. I think it's like the end of Empire is technically what they were saying is it would be like Return of the Jedi. Um, so just looking at some of that, like for this, I don't know like where to go because it almost seems like now like they had all of the story arcs for episodes seven eight and nine shoved into just this tail end here and now like nine's gonna feel like a coda on the end of this as opposed to something that would flow with the rest of it um so it's it's gonna be very interesting to see where they go from there because they they did so much and they tried to kind of tie everything up and almost do like another reboot at the end of eight that they just did in you know the 15 years that or the 10 years that we had from movies from uh uh three to seven yeah, I um, I can tell you this. So when I first saw episode seven, I was very excited when I left the theater. Uh, and I ended up seeing it twice, and I was excited both times, and I was very excited for episode eight. Um, now, leaving the theater the first time from eight, I'm not really excited to see episode nine. Um, because there's no questions. As you said, it, it feels like everything just kind of just there's no real questions that are being asked. Right. And when you were going into return of the Jedi or even from, um, attack the clones into re Oh God. What is it? Revenge of the Sith. Yep. Oh, thank God. Um, well now talking about them all at length, I'm getting them confused as well. (laughs) So, um, when you were going into those, there were, there were things you had questions left, right? Like what happened to, you know, what happened to Luke, you know, what, what's, what's happening at the start of return when, and when you're going into revenge of the Sith, you're like, well, we know Anakin's got to be evil. So what's going to happen there? You know, what's going to be the actual descent? So, you know, and granted that probably wasn't, I got, I don't think I've ever actually seen attack of the clones. Um, no, I think I have. General Grievous in Attack of the Clones? Uh, I don't... Yeah, yeah. So he's in there because it's... Dooku and Grievous are in some of them together. So I want to say in... Yeah, in <laughs> Clones... And the fact that we're, we have to ask that conversation is, is different. But um, I, only, I only watched the first half the other night when I watched it. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that Grievous is in there because... Um, yeah, Obi-Wan fights Grievous and then... Uh, Yoda fights Dooku, and since I can look up and above my desk see Yoda's uh, Black Series lights, officially licensed lightsaber um, that I own, uh, which is from the Attack of the Clone. So the, both of those things happen in the same movie, so that should be there. Oh, God, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I uh, I should actually put these, put the headphones back in here so I don't echo. Um, the I mean, so I I don't know if necessarily Attack of the Clones actually set that up, but, you know, but at least there are expectations going in for each movie. And I think for something that's based off of serials, um, based off of fucking old Flash Gordon, based off of that kind of stuff, it's not unreasonable to ask questions. Um, Right now, I mean, going into episode nine, we have no idea what any of the questions are. Um... You know, I, what I don't understand seeing that movie. I don't understand any fee- reasonable questions that I have. Like, what happens to the rebellion in the first order now? 
Nobody cares because they're all incompetent. Yep. Like. And so, I mean, that's where it's, we have no idea of what to expect. Like they, they're coming out of seven. There were plenty of questions that were there that everybody had a lot of ideas of how they could tie back into uh, the original trilogy versus new answers and, and where they could take the story. Um, but now after, uh, after eight, I don't even know what questions I should be asking or what I should be expecting for episode nine. So that's, that's, yeah. that's kind of my, my biggest gripe with it so far. I mean, I still, all the major plot points that happened um, as a lifelong Star Wars fanboy, I was happy to see them happen on screen and with the way they were executed. Um, and I mean, there's a lot that, you know, are very uh, 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 bifurcating on, on both sides for uh, plus and minus for all of it. So, you know, the throne room fight scene, the lay in space, um, Luke dying, uh, I mean, all of that stuff. Um, and but there's with all of that happening, it's like, OK, but where does that lead me? Like in the end of Star Wars, like they blew up everything and, and nobody knew it was going to be a hit. Um but you know they still, you still had the the uh, the shadow or the auspices of the emperor to deal with, um, and so that's obviously what drug you into empire. At empire, it's like okay, Luke got his hand cut off, but they still need to go and rescue Hansa. So that's really what's dragging you forward through that. Yep. Um, and then you know through some of the other ones, like obviously episode one, you know Anakin eventually has to grow up to be a whiny asshole. Um, so we got to figure out where he goes from there. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, from two to three, it's like, okay, now it's the, we know, like, we now know the Luke and Leia's mother. And then how does that get fleshed out and all of this stuff with now that you've got, uh, you know, the Jekyll Hyde going with, with, uh, um, Darth Sidious and, and the, uh, the Senator and all, all of that crap. Um, so there was enough to pull you through. Whereas right now, like, I, I love the images of, like the end of eight where they had like the kid walk out and he uses the force to pick up the broom and all that shit. And he starts sweeping and you see this, the whatever ship jumped the light speed in the sky and all of that stuff. Like I like that imagery, but that doesn't do anything at the end of eight. Like that's something I would expect yep. at the end of nine. Like I, I would have expected yep. that at the end of exactly. nine to close out the trilogy as opposed to like wait another two years and we'll get another story. And it's like, well, yep. what left do you, what, what's there left to tell me? There's it reduces it does this weird thing where it reduces the stakes about episode eight. It reduces them. It, re, it reduces the stakes so low by the end of it um, that you just it doesn't leave you asking anything and excited to see the new thing. There's this sense of conclusion um, with eight, but it's not even like a real sense of conclusion, if that makes any sense. Like it just kind of like. It's just, it, you leave the theater just going, it's okay. Like, I guess everything's going to be fine. But it doesn't make you, like, fuck, man. Even even going from, um, you know, uh, five to six, you know, you go, Oh my gosh, is everything going to be fine? You know, 7 to 8 you go I I guess it'll be fine with you know, 2 to 3 you're like you know, and that's part of I honestly think that's part of the reason why the prequels weren't um aren't as highly regarded 
as some of the other films um, uh, because you know what has to happen in three. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all of the turns, uh, all of the big plot points are foreshadowed. So like you, you know what they have to hit. And that those are the things where everybody has, you know, years of backstory for. And obviously the, the stuff we're doing now, which I understand them throwing out most of the expanded universe to, to basically write new canon so that they can they can try to avoid everybody who's written EU ingrained fan fiction in their head, stuff like that, um, because there were so many things that had been already written about how this stuff had happened. Um, so I, I understand a lot of the like a lot of the qualms that they had with with the um, th- there was a lot of weight and just a, a lot of uh, kind of artificial chips on their shoulders that they had to deal with with the original prequels. Yeah, and you know it just. <sighs> It, I don't know, it, I, um, I don't know, you know, if this is the case of how, I don't, maybe it's not a good thing Disney has Star Wars. Like, maybe, because they're gonna, the reason they did the reboot is so they had their own characters and own properties they could make their money off of. And... Which makes total sense. Um, but if they're just going to milk it until it's dead. Because there are so many changes that are happening. Like The magic of Star Wars isn't the. Isn't the fact. It's a hero's journey. Right. Like that's not the magic of star Wars. It's not that it's the fact that it's a space spectacle serial. It has more roots in the series in, in the serials that it's based off of than anything else. And that's the success. And if you were to basically make a serial and market that towards today's audiences, it would be fine because Spoiler alert, that's what they've done with everything else. That's why the big part of the first part of the Marvel Universe is really... Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe was actually really excited. Uh, people really excited for it. It's because it was a serial that was marketed. Mm-hmm. It was like, catch the next installment to find out what's going to happen for this new hero. Yeah, they they were like massive serials. Yeah, so I, I, I just have a very hard time understanding the... Not the plot changes, but the overall structural changes from that. Um, and that's my big thing. I don't, you know, I don't mind. Look, I like the new characters. I love risk taking, but I mean, the Porgies, those weren't important. At least with the, oh my God, I can't even think. The Ewoks, at least they killed stormtroopers with sticks. Like, you know, those porgies didn't do anything. Yeah, I I don't really understand them. Um, They felt like fucking minions, dude. Yeah, it it seemed like uh, uh, I I don't understand. And there's they had obviously had an interaction with Chewbacca and some of that stuff. So there was some nice stuff there, but it just seemed very odd in, in the end. Yeah, it felt very strange. And there were more moments like that in the movie that made it feel strange than than other stuff. 
Um, I, I saw an article somewhere that they added those porgies because where the island they were shooting on, they couldn't keep the puffins out of the shots. Okay. So they thought it was just easier to CGI porgies. Over top of puffins? I fucking guess. Okay. Right, exactly. That's what I said. So I didn't take that with a grain of salt, audience. Um, but I just didn't, I just didn't get it. I just, I didn't think they were necessary. There were scenes, there was a lot of that scenes like involving them where I just was like, yeah, like that's not, that's not what we want to see. Like, that's not what we want. And, you know, there was like that in those foxes. I was so surprised to see how seven, like this was the other thing too, is that one of the things that you, that you look forward to is not seeing all the heavily CGI stuff that constantly reminds you that it's CGI. Mm-hmm. Uh, the foxes, those crystal snow Fox things, yep. those didn't look great. The, the, the porgs didn't look great. I, I, I don't know. I just, there was just so many tonal things where it's like, I'm watching this. This is my okay. This is basically what it was. Like I'm watching this movie about the the failure, incompetence of failures, and you're trying to pander to me with cute stuff. Yeah, it, it just doesn't fit. Only, and I understand that's a risk, but that's not a it's not a it's not a smart risk. Yeah, I mean the. I think it goes back to, like you said, they, they wanted to create and reboot a lot of this stuff for, for their own, and it, it makes sense. Um, but at the same time, for the most part, Disney knows how to do characters. They know how to, to maintain IP. Um, and in the long run, I don't think they're going to let anything out that is going to destroy those long-term investments. Um, so I don't think that uh, there's... And again, it's always present political situation included. Um, it's always, you know, the squeaky wheel that gets the grease type thing. Um, so everybody that's out there that's saying that they love uh, Last Jedi. And I mean, as much as we're talking about negative stuff here, there are still many parts here where my jaw was on yes. the floor or um, like uh, I was ashamed of wearing sweatpants because I had a fanboy boner the entire time. Uh, stuff like that. So I mean, so there's there's plenty of stuff there that, you know. I, I still loved about the movie or, or fanboying Absolute, out for a lot of absolutely. it. Absolutely. But there's, absolutely. there's there was, yeah. critical points that you, you want to argue with or kind of just try to understand because you don't yeah. know why they made those those decisions. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to let anything out as far as um, drastic departures as much as episode one was from like the rest of the original sextet. Um but then when you look at what they're doing for investment into an entire Star Wars land in Orlando um, and things like that, where they're they're shutting down old rides to, to build and have Star Wars IP take over some of that uh, real estate and everything, um, they're they're committed to it. It's it's not something for the short term. Um, and like they, they they know what they're doing and they're they're going to um, I, I don't think uh, the way I said in some other chats that we were having on, on Facebook um I, I don't think The Last Jedi is going to hurt any uh, uh, pre-reservations yeah. at the Star Wars hotel that they have in Orlando. I Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I, so side, side note, I fucking want to go to that real bad. Exactly, same um, here. 
Uh, yeah, no, and I agree. Like, and I agree in that. And like, I do want to make it clear that, like, you know, we've had some things to be critical to say of the movie, but I think you would agree that, like, you know, it's if you if you'll if you really enjoyed the movie, that's awesome. That's great because, as you said, there are all some really cool things in that movie where you just go, oh man, that was awesome. That's why you know. That's why I'm sitting here. You know, like that's why I'm sitting here in this theater. Like there are some really good moments like that. There are just some other things. You know, you could expect to have. You know, the thing is, a good movie. This is one of the reasons. This is my part of my main defense for episode seven. Is um, a good movie. You can just kind of ignore those plot holes. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're if you're a good storyteller, the plot holes that you leave there that don't get picked up, Knights of Ren, um, are fine because when it goes because it's not overly important, it's not overly important or critical to the overall story. So that's plot holes like that are fine. With the issue with the Last Jedi is that there are plot holes that aren't you know necessarily fine or things that seem to not have some some reason um reasoning behind them and you know and there's not a many there's not many but there are a few and they a couple of them are kind of noticeable which we've talked about so um there's you know i mean we obviously need to see it again to see that kind of thing um because it is a movie that can be seen twice and not feel like a total drag. I can just go and say that. Um as someone who got dragged to see trans the first Transformers three times. Oh good lord. Oh man, I still I'm still in counseling from that. Um but yeah, um no. So I mean it's a it's a good movie. I think we'll probably talk about it yeah, you know, again after we both get um another viewing in um uh, for for each of us respectively, um, and maybe I'll actually get off my keister to see Justice League. Um, we'll see if that happens because those DC movies do not get me excited. Yeah, there's um, they they're underwhelming there. But doing doing some quick research, JJ um, Abrams is coming back to direct episode nine. Um, so Colin Trevorrow was originally slated to do it and then he either left, dismissed creative differences, etc. cetera. Um, but now JJ Abrams is coming back. Um, so for me, it was interesting that like they didn't have him slotted in to do the entire trilogy, um, from the get go based on obviously Lucas, you know, doing all of them and, and directing or producing and having, um, Spielberg and Kasdan as, as integral parts of the original trilogy as well. Um, and so, so there was a lot to, for me that was interesting there. Um, but it's, I, I think that with the way that this kind of, uh, wraps up, uh, more of the story than we expected in the last Jedi, um, and the way that they, we kind of rebooted, uh, with the, with Abrams storytelling in, in seven, um, you're kind of the only, the only thing going right now, as far as the kind of the draw into nine is, um, you know, the, the fact that he was able to reboot once, and this is almost like a, a soft reboot inside of the trilogy. Um, so we'll, mm-hmm. we would see where it's going from there. So that, that's at least a little more encouraging to me than, uh, what the, some of the, the gloom and doom folks that, that we're talking about as far as coming out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Abrams is a very interesting director, um, because he, 
as a way I can put it, the only way I can describe it, and it's going to be, I'm probably going to be completely off base, is that he's like a substantially more competent version of Michael Bay with less patriotism. Um, he has a very good, he, J.J. Uh, Abrams has a very good idea of how to play to uh, nostalgia mm-hmm. um, and give you a shit ton of action without having you realize that you watch action. Um or that you're that there's so much action that you don't mind, um, or it's it's paced off it's spaced well enough where you don't have to you you're not bogged down by the action as you would be with Michael Michael Bay where there's just a lot of weak writing in his scripts uh, that he chooses to produce or whatever so um, or hell even direct um, well so I've been I a mean, huge J.J. Abrams fans all the way back since uh, his days in in Alias. Um, and, and doing Alias with uh, Jennifer Garner. So um, there was a lot there as far as uh, plot construction and uh, writing and uh, character development that, that was there. And, I mean, everything that he's done since then is, has been, you know, pretty top-notch. So um, it's just – these are discussions, obviously, outside of the film and outside of the IP and outside of the fandom and everything. Um, but, obviously, when you start r- looking at it as a business and people availability, it, uh, humans have to stand somewhere. Um, <coughs> It was interesting that that you know they didn't have more of that lined up from the get go, um, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm glad he's coming back and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, yeah. So tempered expectations for nine. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I have a feeling that uh, we will probably get through episode twelve at some point. Yeah, um, I can imagine that. And I think, um, you know, that's part of the reason why they pulled. Um, I think. Um, after the solo movie, um, uh, I don't know if we're going to get any standalone products like that. Um, if Disney was smart, um, well, smarter, I should say, um, because they have more money than I do, um, substantially and they have all, they have my whole damn childhood now. So, um, (laughs) um, those were my memories, Disney, get out of my head. Um, thank God. We still have American graffiti. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> um, you know, if they were smart, I think they would explore the areas around the other trilogies, which I'm actually surprised they didn't do that first, where they didn't um, pull a Knights of the Old Republic and start establishing canon for before that. Um, and start establishing canon after that, which they've sort of started to establish canon after after that. But I think if you had a nice, you know, mix, you know, I didn't think the the smartest movie to go for was Rogue One. Like I didn't I that's another whole another discussion. But um, hopefully we'll you know, we'll get some good storytelling here and 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 get that done. So. <laughs> So that's good. So that's what I, I was hoping we could we could go along on that this week, and uh, we covered that a lot deeper and a lot more intricate than I expected to. Do, so that that was good. Uh, I mean, I, I've got a bunch of links that I'm going to link up once once I get this up um, to it. So both you know pro and con, and I'll definitely drop in the, the ring theory mm-hmm. link in there. So that would be something that uh, when you're you're bored at work um, and you can either do it while sitting steady or try to multitask and do it while uh, ghost racing yourself uh, in the the go kart. <laughs> or the, the uh, <laughs> golf cart um, to, to read up on that and see kind of where that and what jogs your memory. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then just uh, just do that, and then we can we can circle back. And we're gonna try to see it this week. Don't know if that'll happen. Uh, definitely uh, by the end of next week, I'll I'll want to have seen it again so that we can we can uh, yeah. run through this again. Uh, so uh, I would imagine next week we'll probably uh, have your. Um, game of the year stuff to, to go through. Um, we'll have to figure out what they were recording just based on, you know, when the holidays fall and everything, but uh, we'll, yep. we'll go from there and, and figure it out. I have, I do have, I do have the three. I do know what, what I have the three. I've, I have them and I have an honorable mention. Um, so I, you know, so they're there. I've got them picked. Um, you know, I'm ready. I actually want to go back and actually touch one of them um, a little bit. And I'm, I'm writing, um, uh, I've got one about one quarter of the article done because I want to talk about each of the games. Please listen carefully. 